my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by the great Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown. Uh, it was it was a good time talking to Clint. It's the first time he's been on the show. I think you guys will really like it. We talked about uh, uh, the Canadian trucker convoy. We talked about the latest in the, uh, the Joe Rogan uh, saga. Uh, we talked about the Democrats trying to memory hole the last two years of lockdowns and oppression. Uh, what else? We talked about, oh yeah, Joe Biden handing out crack pipes. Um, apparently that's a real thing that's happening. Uh, a lot of great stuff to get to today. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Clint, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Clint Russell. All right, guys, we're here at the great Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown. Clint, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. Absolutely, Brady. This is uh, it's an honor and a pleasure. I love love going on to other liberty-minded shows and screaming. It makes me feel more at home. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. We were just talking before we got started. Like We've both been in this world for a long time, and it's bizarre that our paths have never crossed. But uh, yeah, man, better better late than never. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, uh, it's long due. Absolutely. So like... Th- I only do two of these a week, so there's just way too much to get to on one podcast every episode. But especially these last few weeks, man, have been wild. And I'm getting whiplash from all, like, the white pills and black pills just coming at me from from all sides. Like, it's from the the trucker convoy. They're making gains. You know, they're really making a difference. Then GoFundMe steals all their money or tries to in all of this. And some Canadian officials are looking like they're going to back down, and then like Trudeau doubles down, calls them domestic terrorists, and starts arresting anybody who's bringing them like gas and food and stuff like that. And then it's like the Joe Rogan stuff, right? Like he makes the entire corporate press humiliate themselves on television. It's beautiful to watch. And then he apologizes, even though he didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? And then there's the Democrats being forced to admit that they were wrong on all these COVID measures. They're starting to back down, and then it becomes clear that it's all just a regime tactic to try to memory hold the last two years just in time for the midterm. So it's like, (laughs) it seems like we're just teetering, man. Like, we're on a razor's edge right now. All of these topics could be massive victories or massive defeats, and honestly, dude, I have no idea which which way any of these (laughs) things are going to go. Like, every single one of these topics could go either way right now. Well, this this is how I know you're one of my brothers because this is exactly <laughs> how I feel. I, I, same with the uh, the Ukraine stuff. Oh it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean that that could be it could be just a, a distraction to uh, keep the public's eye off of inflation and economic woes and the uh, you know potential for societal collapse at home. Yeah. And, and then uh, it could also be World War Three. You know, it, it I don't know. <laughs> and, and these are. These are these huge inflection points that are happening across the board right now. And yeah, I, I've had the same exact experience. I mean, especially with Rogan, because I've been a fan of his since 2010. You know, I'm just same. Yeah. I, like I'm so ride or die with that guy. And to see him 
apologize when he even acknowledges that the clip is completely out of context that they just mashed every time he used the n-word over a 10-year period (laughs) the guy's done thousands of episodes each three hours long he's he's literally done 10,000 hours of recording on his show not to mention all of his guest appearances and of course if you're uh, an independent you know kind of liberty-minded spokesman which he is to to a large extent whether he uh, likes it or not yeah yeah, he he doesn't like it, but he is, and and yeah, he speaks freely. He constantly talks about how that word has too much power, and that it's completely childlike for us to quote it by saying "n word." I'm going to say it that way just to respect your show, because right. I don't know if, if it's okay to say it, but it's just so stupid. And and he even acknowledged that every time he's brought it up on his show, he says that because I've listened to him for years, and every time yeah. he says it, he says. I'm going to say it because this is a dumb rule and and yet he still says you yeah. know despite how it was out of context if you ever have to defend yourself from accusations of racism you fucked up that's yeah, just man. nonsense that's yeah. not everyone is accused of racism today 100%. that is it, just because you have to defend yourself from it does not mean you fucked up I'm sorry yeah man absolutely and like you'll never hear me trash Joe Rogan like like you said I've been listening to him for a long time I mean, chances are neither of us are podcasters without Joe Rogan. I mean, exactly. I, honestly, at least I wouldn't be. I he, yes. not only did he pave the way in the industry, he made podcasting financially viable. Yeah, I mean, he literally popularized yep. the entire industry. But like, I mean, I got into podcasts because of Joe's show. I mean, like, I'm in a rock and roll band and drive. You know, you're doing a lot of all night drives, and we just listen to books on tape or podcasts. So I discovered him. 10 years ago or more, you know, just I love it. listening to podcasts and it inspired me to, you know, and not that I try to like rip off what he does or anything, but it's, it inspired me to later on start my own show, you know? So it's like, and like you said, he is an important voice and his show is an important part of the Liberty movement, whether he <laughs> wants it to be or not. And yeah, man, like it was a big hit. Like that the fact that the Democrats got him to apologize was a big hit, you know? And like, because he's been a guy that's taken so many arrows. <laughs> the dude has taken so many hits and stood strong. And now the left, they smell blood in the water. You know what I mean? And, like, Joe will be fine. He seems like a truly decent dude and a principled dude. And he's not going to, like, let his show turn into, like, regime propaganda. He's not going to stop hosting guys like, at least I hope not, he's not going to stop hosting guys like Michael Malice and Dave Smith and all these guys. But it's like, his apology, it didn't cost us nothing. It cost it cost us all something. I don't know how much or like what the ramifications are going to be yet, but like it wasn't a net zero. You know what I mean? It it was a hit. It did take yeah. us down a notch. I think that that's exactly my assessment of it, man. It's like, and I listened to Dave Smith's latest episode where he talks about it, and and I think he does a good job of arguing that you know people taking the other side of this, where they say never apologize to the mob. Well, we're not in Joe's position, and we right. don't know the inner workings of of his reasoning. I agree with you. I think his assessment is that he's a good person and he right. doesn't like having people think these really awful things about him. And I think that he's probably a little bit detached from uh, the CNN world. You know, I, even when he talks about how they they joked or they didn't joke, they, he jokes about how they legitimately accused him of taking horse medication. Yeah. Um, I think he's getting sent those clips. I don't think he's like actually watching these, these right. programs to understand the kind of insidious nature of what they do. So he's going to learn. Uh, I, I yeah. mean, I think, I think Joe's going to learn that, that apologizing doesn't actually save you in these, in these types of situations. If you honestly think you did something wrong, an apology is totally reasonable 
he doesn't think that he's racist. No. So why are you defending yourself from being accused of racism? I, I just I think it's a mistake when you apologize just for the apology. And I understand that he probably did it at the behest of of Spotify higher ups because they're having some sort of coup from their employees. And I talked yeah. about this on my episode this week with ESG and and I think that there is there's a real push. I actually discovered this and uh, uh, this will be interesting for your audience to know if you haven't heard about it already. I haven't heard anyone bring this up, but uh, Blackstone was the original funding source of BlackRock and and Blackstone uh, collaborated with Hypnosis. It's H-Y-P-G-N-O-S-I-S, I think, is the name of the, the streaming service. And they're putting a billion dollars into this streaming service to compete with Spotify. So it's basically, you know, BlackRock competing with Spotify. And guess who one of the artists is that they bought the rights to their music four months ago? Neil Young. You got it. Really? Neil I Young. swear to God. Why did they go Young's... after Neil Young first? That's... No, I mean, they bought a bunch of artists' yeah, yeah, yeah. music. But I'm just saying, the fact that Neil Young had nothing to lose when he yeah. said, pull my music from Spotify, and that it's BlackRock and ESG, this environmental social governance stuff, I think that it was a, it was was he was part of the hit piece. He was part of the takedown efforts. And, uh, and now that I have evidence that he had already sold his catalog to a different streaming service, he had no, there was nothing to lose there. He was going to pull it anyways. Oh, so um, that's that's big news, and people need to be aware of it. Yeah, I mean, I've not heard of that. <laughs> so no, that I don't. Is... I honestly don't think anyone know, knows it. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty terrifying. BlackRock funding an alternative to Spotify. My goodness, I mean, like it's. I mean, you know, when these people, you know, these people are never acting in good faith. But it's like that takes bad faith action to a <laughs> to a next level. But it's like. Man, the Biden regime, I mean, last night, it was like yesterday evening, they changed like a page on the White House's website where they essentially classified free speech as domestic terrorism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally, like on like the official like .gov website. And it's like, that's their play, man. If you if you disagree with this regime, you're a racist, you're a terrorist. You just can't apologize to people. Like, you, you, you just can't apologize to the people who are, who are classifying you and your profession as literal domestic terrorism. I mean, these people, right. you're, you're negotiating with the people that want to destroy you and your family. I mean, look at how yes. the other tyrants are behaving. Look at how Trudeau talks about the Canadian truckers. You know what I mean? He's trying to convince an entire country that truck drivers are terrorists who should be enslaved. I mean, it's like, I don't know why you want to, why do you want to reason with these people? Why do you want to interact with these people? I mean, the left has spent 100 years trying to convince the West that communism is, like, nice and empathetic, and that was their play. And they've escalated the situation, man. I mean, they're, they're now on to trying to convince us that, liberty itself that i mean that our god-given rights themselves are evil you know what i mean like these people have escalated their the entire situation like this is no time and like, like you said unless you actually believe in your heart that you've done something wrong i, mean, I apologize on the show all the time if i get something wrong i'll apologize you know but it, right now is no time for apologies yeah my my thesis has just simply been that i'm not going to apologize to people that are labeling me a terrorist you know it's it's <laughs> the there is no foundation to these accusations. I believe in the principles that this country was founded upon, and I'm not going to apologize for that. I think that they should be the ones apologizing because they have gone, uh, particularly at the presidential level, they have gone against what we believe in as our rights. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not apologizing to the mob. I'm not apologizing to the government. I'm, in fact, trying to 
basically destroy these people because uh, they, they're trying to destroy me and my way of life. And I think that that's a fair stance to take. Uh, ultimately, I just want to be left alone. But if you're going to treat me like that, well, then you've declared me your enemy. And henceforth, I will uh, I will proceed accordingly. Yeah, absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. Um, let's talk about the Canadian trucker convoy for just a second, because these guys are like quite literally on the front lines in the war for liberty. And I, I think the importance of the, of the success of this movement can't be overstated. But I think the tyrants, they, they really tipped their hand with the uh, GoFundMe stuff, and I'm glad they did. Because like a lot of libertarians, guys like you and I, knew that this was their next big play, was to go after the banks, go after companies like GoFundMe. You know, they're going to try to cut us off financially under the guise of, you know, counter terror you know countering domestic terrorism or white nationalism or whatever and honestly i think like the left would have been wise to keep that one close to the chest for now you know because a lot of like normies saw that not just libertarians or like even conservative I mean, we're talking just like center right mitt romney voters who like what those canadian truckers are doing are like holy crap they're going after like financial streams it's like yeah man they've been <laughs> this is this this is what was coming for a long time but it's like and i was a uh, I have all these Lord of the Rings references in my head because I just made my wife watch the uh, Lord of the Rings series for the first time. I don't know how she had never watched it before, or at least she didn't remember watching it. But it's like, uh, you know, in, in uh, Return of the King, when one of the hobbits, like, touches the eye and gets, like, all traumatized and stuff. But it's like through that, they, like, Sauron tipped his hand. And they knew they were going to attack Gondor next, so they knew to prepare for it. I think that's kind of, like, that could be, like, a white pill moment in all this because, like, normal, like, moderates like center right you know like ben shapiro is talking about this and glenn beck is talking about this how the left is gonna go after the banks i think a lot of people are waking up and it's like for you know there's not enough of us to like create new financial systems <laughs> you know what i mean like we like we're, we're kind of help there's not enough of us whether it's just like libertarians like liberty republicans like myself it's like we need like the right the center like we need like uh, you know we can't build our own go fund me on our own like we need well-funded people you know from all over the political spectrum and i think i think GoFundMe messed up by kind of alerting the the, the center and the, the normies people that aren't balls deep in this like we are that this is the left's play so it's like i almost think that we could get a head start through all of this on kind of combating their next attack in the future if that makes any sense oh absolutely i mean this is this is the black and white pill this is kind of the uh the double-edged sword nature of all of these news topics that we're discussing today is that it it both, as the tyranny gets worse, it's obviously bad, right. but there is also the flip side where you have a lot of, of positives that come from it. There, there are a lot of positives that come from it, too, um, in that the, the people who aren't as aware of what's transpiring become aware. I mean, Rogan gets 11 million listeners every right. episode on average, and... There's a ton of people in his listener base that are stunned that he is being attacked in the way that he is. So um, I try and keep that in mind every time I get really, really, uh, you know, just immersed in despair over all these these topics yeah. that, yeah, it's waking up millions more. And, you know, the fact that the MAGA movement thinks that the election was was stolen from him, that is I mean, whether or not it was, I don't really care. I think it's good that they now doubt democracy and the system and yeah. and. You know, these are all um, reasons for hope that more and more people are starting to actually understand or see what we see is that the system is corrupt and, and you shouldn't trust it. And you should be working to become more uh, independent and financially free. And and that part of that is not 
rely like the same i i actually analogize it uh last night i was thinking about this i haven't ever said it before but i analogize it to sending your kids to public school is like using social media companies that hate you using youtube to try and talk about liberty-minded stuff it's like why are we doing this why are we still using these companies yeah. that literally despise us and and it's a problem. I mean, I, I understand it. I'm on YouTube. I, I, I totally get why people do it because it's a huge audience that you could potentially reach. And I don't blame anybody for trying as long as you can still maintain, stay true to yourself and and just continue to speak that liberty shit and let the chips fall where they may. Where they may. Just don't don't play the game to the point that you're so safe. You're not you're not worth listening to. Right. Um, and that's a very that's a very fine line to try and walk. Uh, but you know, I also there's this accelerationist mentality where a lot of people say, well, I, I want them to ban all of us and I want us to have this this two tier society where we split off. And it's like, sure. I mean, in a long enough time horizon, that sounds right. great. But in right. the interim, it's going to be fucking awful. Terrible. I mean, it's going to be really brutal if you get unbanked where no bank will work with you at. A la Alex Jones and a bunch of other conservative activists. If you get to the point where Airbnb and Uber won't let you uh, use their services, I mean, your life really gets interfered with, and it's a problem. So I don't, I don't want to downplay it either. Like it, it, it's yes, maybe it's inevitable, and yes, maybe we we'll, we will get to a point where we have all these liberty-minded com competitors that we can utilize, and that'll be great when it when we get there. But in the in the in the intermediate term, I'm not going to encourage it. I'm not going to say I want I want all these companies to deplatform everybody, <laughs> and I want us to all have to you know find our own independent banks and all this stuff. It's like that's a lot to ask, man. I don't know if we have the numbers to actually do it, so we'll see. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And like, I, I, just that argument has just never sat right with me. I mean, like, I guess I, it. I guess it'd be easier to say if you're like an agorist and you live on just off the grid and, you know, a log cabin and right. in Montana and, and eat elk all the time, <laughs> you know, like, but it's just for the <laughs> I, rest of it. I mean, I live in it. I mean, dude, I, I hunt and fish for 90% of my meat. I have like 120 pounds of deer meat in my freezer right over there right now. But, and I grow my own oh, vegetables awesome. in my yard and stuff, but it's like, I still live in the middle of a major city. Like I can't, you know, like it would be really tough for me and my family to like, not be able to use a bank account like that's just not something that i could handle right now but it's like you know it's fine but with like kind of that white pill of you know republicans and people on the right like waking up to some of this stuff like i guess this is like a black pill inside of a white pill <laughs> i don't know it's like an inception level thing because it's like they always are the biggest source of white pills over the last two years have been among like republicans you know like turning on the cops you know what I mean? Like turning out, you know, obviously changing their mind, just uh, Republicans coming out, like just ch apologizing for supporting the wars and saying I was wrong and, and, you know, completely reversing course. It's like some of these things you never thought, like you never thought that Republicans would like stop with their like back the blue nonsense. And then, I hey, know. they see the cops arrest a pastor in Kentucky and they're like, all right, OK. <laughs> They're like if a if a red state red city cop in Kentucky will arrest a pastor, then what the heck will they do to me? You know what I mean? And, and all that. And then it's like the black pill side. It's like the the left libertarians and like the Beltway libertarians have learned nothing. So it's like, oh, God. You know, like the it, we're at the. I was talking to my buddy uh, um, Reed Cooley yesterday, and he's like going through all this crap with a employer and all this, and 
Um, and he works in like the Liberty movement professionally, like full time. And he's like, dude, like we have more in common with conservatives on most issues now than like left libertarians. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's awesome. And that, that that's probably a good thing just on sheer numbers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause yeah. there's more right wingers than there are libertarians. But at the same time, it's like, man, that sucks. Like if, like, you know, the, the DC libertarian types, if they, if they really aren't tired of the COVID regime yet, it's like, man, that, are they, they're not even like allies at that point. They're not no. even like a part of the liberty movement at all. Like it, there's no semblance of, uh, of of that left, and like that's kind of like a black pill at the same time. So it's like on all these issues, man. It's like positives and negatives. Like I can't even point to like a oh this was a huge win or this was a huge L. You know what I mean? It's like there's two sides of every single one of these things, man. Well, I think I think part of that is just the fact that you and I are apparently analyzing this very similarly and we're probably very critical analysts you know like like from a armchair more casual observer they might just be saying to themselves conservatives are now talking about abolishing the fbi yeah man. that that's <laughs> incredible happened um, in two years two years i know and well and in fairness they got punished tremendously by the deep state and and the FBI and the fact that they've been uh, many of their people have been held without trial and without bail and without charges many of them it's like for over a year now like that's a huge deal and they should be pissed and like if this is what it took um okay i mean i, I like i wish you guys would have gotten it without us having to you know put you in the in the target but now you're in it, so I hope that you're you're aware. And and I see it in my own relatives who lean more conservative than I do, libertarian. And and it's good. I mean, th this is a very good thing. And and you know, I I personally view this as a just a total white pill because the left libertarians are so small, they're so irrelevant compared to the entirety of the MAGA movement, which is enormous. Oh yeah. Um, so if if I have to trade red pilling seventy million boomers versus you know losing 10,000 left libertarians yeah, that's a fucking that's an easy <laughs> easy choice so yeah. uh but uh, to your point about uh you know the Cato's and and all these people the the beltway quote unquote libertarians i am i mean i couldn't be more disappointed i couldn't be more appalled that this is such a slam dunk liberty issue like i can't even believe there's disagreement i can't believe that i <laughs> I had to start a show in lockdowns to talk about <laughs> this because there was so little uh, pushback from, you know, the mainstream liber liberty minded folks. And I am I'm blown away. I'm blown away that these people exist, that anyone listens to them anymore, that they are respected by anybody. It's like they're they're more, they're more interested in like the racial inequity of the drug, the war on drugs and things like that than they are the war on drugs itself. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Yeah. What are we talking about here? It's a moral across the board, so let's just end it and shut up. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's they they never fail to miss the forest through the trees, you know. Like I, I, we know, everybody knows that the war on drugs, you know, has a worse effect on minorities than white people. Like we we've known that forever. Obviously, the data has been out forever. But I mean, the point is that the war on drugs is evil, not that it has like racial inequality. <laughs> like, <it's> not, <laughs> Like, my goodness, who cares? Like, how about don't force people, don't tell people what to do at gunpoint with their own bodies? My goodness. Yeah. Well, they, they, this is where they, they fall prey to the narrative, where yeah. the allowable narrative is to only talk about it in the sense that it, it, it disproportionately affects minorities. And 
I, you know, if that's if you're using that as a selling point to try and get people on the left to understand our opinions, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But if you start to fall prey to it where you actually think that way, that that's where I, I'm like, OK, well, I've lost you now. Like you're yeah. not you don't you don't view this with the same level of seriousness I do, because there are millions of white people that are in prison for bullshit oh, charges, yeah. too. Of course. And like, do we not care about them? Because yeah. I care about them. I care about everybody that's in prison for bullshit charges. So I, I just I, these people need to be ignored and they need to get a different line of work or just go work for CNN. I don't I don't care which. Yeah, like, I don't even know how they still have the funding, man. I mean, like, what is the audience for that? You know, like, the left is, they're never going to be accepted by the left. You see it, like, nope. you know, and a lot of Republicans, you see, like, the, uh, like, the like Liz Cheney and, and like, uh, what is it, Kinzinger, like, those guys, it's, like, all they do is talk about how much they hate Trump and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah, man, but you, like, own guns and stuff, so the Democrats always hate you. You know what I mean? Like, you want to, like, cut oh, yeah. taxes, so the Democrats are always going to hate you. It's like, what's your, like, I don't really get, like, you're, this is such a minuscule audience, you know what I mean? And then like they, oh, I forget who it was. It was um, it's one of the main like regime corporate press outlets. It was like the Atlantic or something. Brought on, brought it. It was one of the Cato guys. I forget who, but he literally wrote <laughs> the piece they had him write was like the libertarian case for like Biden's vaccine mandate or whatever. <laughs> it's like, dude, like what, what, who is, what is your audience? Like, who are you trying to like? How do you plan on having a job in 10 years? <laughs> like, there's just no future in it. Like, it's, like, as evil as the argument is, obviously, on its merits. But it's, like, those guys, just on a personal level, it's, like, what is your goal? Like, how do you uh, – do you think you're still going to be able to support your family in 10 years doing this nonsense? Because I doubt it, you know, if you're, like, a full-time well, writer. Like, what the – I don't get it. I, I, I think that their their belief is that there will always be a market for uh, corporately le- corporate acceptability – metrics of libertarianism and and they'll never want i mean they're not going to want dave smith or you or i or any of the actual libertarians to be on tv but that's what the market wants so like it's this it's this push-pull thing where i don't know i i don't even know if that's i think that's gonna cease to be true here you know because it's like really you think the audience doesn't want to hear from us because i i disagree i mean the reason that No, but the audience is like the mainstream, like corporate press audience is not going to want to hear from those people for much longer. You know what I mean? It's like because it's not maybe, you know, because they're not speaking to libertarians. Like, I don't I mean, how many libertarians, do you know, that reads Reason magazine? Yeah, well, that's that's true. Uh, No, sorry. I don't mean I don't mean in those those articles. I mean, in the sense that they get to be lifted up by. CNN and MSNBC as look, even the libertarians yeah, yeah, think yeah. that vaccine passports make sense. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. it's like no, we fucking don't. We absolutely <laughs> do not. Um, so I, I'm just saying on the TV, pla- like pundit side, people like to hear from actual libertarians because we do approach these issues in a purely liberty-minded way. And yeah. especially on Fox News, you see it on Kennedy every night. I know personally, I'm friends with a, a guest. Every single night on Kennedy yeah. now. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that's a huge white pill for me. And that and that tells me that the audience likes to hear from us. Yeah. I mean, it also tells me that our reach on social media is so significant that us going on those shows is a ratings driver for Kennedy. Because otherwise, yeah. they probably wouldn't be having us on. So I think what's happening is that we are starting to get enough uh, organic pull from our side of things that, that we can a- actually... Um, be 
included in in the Fox debates. And and I think that that's all part of kind of the enmeshing, the uh, kind of the paleo-libertarian strategy of of having the conservatives and the libertarians kind of working in tandem together. I don't know if it's going to work out. I mean, ultimately, I don't trust the Republican Party and I don't trust conservatives moreover because uh, I was bitching about this last night. You know, when they talk about how we shouldn't be like Tucker Carlson will will spend 20 minutes in his open talking about how it's so stupid to want to go to war with Russia. And I'm like, yay, great. Ah, cheer, cheer, cheer. Yeah, and then yeah. he pivots immediately to because we should be preparing for war with China, <laughs> you know, that and that stuff is, you know, this is why I can't ever really trust conservatives because they are not anti-war. Yeah. They are just anti-leftist preference on war and uh oh, you know, dude. that's the problem i mean it is just a roller coaster hearing that argument that, that's got to be the most ridiculous argument of all time like oh who cares about ukraine we're not gonna go to war with russia because we need to go to war with china. <laughs> we'll get you, we gotta be prepared for war with china it's like guys come on man hey man like what what, what are we doing like that's such you, a like a logically incoherent argument like it's uh, my my word but yeah I, I agree with you 100%, obviously. You, you just cannot trust the GOP, you know, and at the same time, like, thank God for some of these guys. Like, uh, you know, I, I have conservative, like, pundits and writers on the show all the time. I actually have more conservatives on the show than libertarians just because there's more of them, and I'm buddies right. with a lot of them, you know, and they, they have interesting stuff to say, and, you know, we have a lot of things in common, obviously, but it's like, man, you, you saw, like, because uh, I have some of the guys that work over at the Daily Wire on the show quite a bit and it's like man that company lawyered up sued the white house and destroyed joe biden's vaccine mandate i mean like that was like the date that was ben shapiro's lawsuit that went to the supreme court and it's only because they're like a company that made a hundred million dollars last year they have the cash they have lawyers on retainer they have the infrastructure to make it happen and they did it they, they literally took the government to court and won and it's like yeah man like we couldn't have done that <laughs> like no. there's no one on the libertarian side with just the the cash on hand to make a push like that and actually win at, at the Supreme court level. And so it's like, you don't have to trust them, but like, I think we, we all admit that we need them. <laughs> There's no way around it. Like we just, we don't have the manpower, man. We don't have the financial backing. And it's like, you know, Absolutely. And, and the, the next big fight too, like Joe Biden has a press conference today. I'm guessing it's, I mean, I don't know. It's probably gonna be early because, Alzheimer's patients don't really do evenings, <laughs> you know. It's, <laughs> usually it's like 3 p.m. or whatever. Heck, you got to catch them before the sundown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, so it's probably soon. But a lot of people think he's going to do like a 180 on the COVID stuff. I don't think I don't think he can because the Democratic base and I live in like one of the bluest cities in the Midwest, Toledo, Ohio, and so most of my friends are on the left. And and you know he, I think the regime is going to start backpedaling today. But they can't just do a 180 because their own base is so, like, brainwashed and terrified that they'll turn on them. You know, so they're in this real weird catch-22, which is hilarious to watch. Um, but let's say they do just flip on all the mandates and stuff overnight. Not going to happen. But it's like we we need – like, we're going to be relying on the GOP and their infrastructure to hold these people accountable because, like, that that's the goal that's like the White House's goal. It's just a memory hole the last two years, <laughs> just in time for the midterms. And, dude, a lot of – and I could just see it coming like a freight train. Like the GOP, there's going to be a lot of Republicans who are just like more than happy to let them get away with it. Because a lot of the oh, yeah. GOP went along with the lockdowns too, and they don't, exactly. want, they don't want dear leader Donald Trump to be criticized for handing the country to Anthony Fauci. You know what I mean? So a lot of them are going to you know, Bingo. Let, try to let the Democrats – you know backpedal and like we're gonna need these big like 
conservative, you know, like the Beck, Shapiro, like these guys, we're going to need them because they have louder voices than we do. They have bigger platforms than we do to hold these people accountable. Like we're really going to be leaning on the political right to make sure that the Democrats and, and Joe Biden can't get away with this. And uh, we'll see. I, I hope they have the balls to do it. I hope they have the stomach for it because we're going to need them. Well, not not just them, but their audience, the people that, you know, Glenn Beck and, and Shapiro aren't listening to you and I right now, most likely. But the, the some of their audience are. And a lot of these people see this issue the same way you and I do, yeah. that Trump made a huge catastrophic mistake yes. handing the country over to Fauci and they aren't happy about it. They may be willing to forgive Trump and that's fine. I don't care. But. They need to be willing to encourage meaningfully only candidates that are willing to speak out courageously against this and hold both parties accountable, get rid of the deep state that exists on the right too, and get rid of anybody that supported mandates and lockdowns. Yes. It is completely un-American, is completely unconservative too, and and just Hold your people accountable. That's yeah. all I'm asking. I'm I'm asking you to live up to your principles and to hold your candidates accountable for their alleged principles, which they have completely disavowed over the past two years. And that's that's it. I think that that we can actually move together uh, or move forward together if we are willing to acknowledge the the downfall of our prior leadership oh, yeah. and across the board. And that that goes for the libertarians when it comes to beltway you know <laughs> dc yeah. libertarianism and it also goes for conservatives when it comes to beltway dc conservatives and and i just i i mean this is a perfect example of what they do with liz cheney where they try and you know cnn and all these other uh news shows try and put her up as like she's going to be the c competitor for trump in 2024 <laughs> and, and the conservative you know voters are like polled about it and they're like this is not a consideration <laughs> where we are not going back to the neocon way of viewing things and and i'm i'm grateful for it and that's yeah. really important um but this is what they're going to continue to try and do they're going to try and uh, put in and and what they do is they'll try and uplift liz cheney but then they're going to pivot and put in dan crenshaw at the last second and see like look how look how great this guy is and he's awful so um, that I just hope that the conservatives are are fully woke on this or red pilled in their terminology. That that they, if you want to see progress on these issues, if you want Nuremberg trials, if you want yeah. people to be held accountable for what happened to us over the past two years, you have to hold your people accountable because they're the only ones with the actual levers of power, aside from you know two A and violence stuff, yeah. uh, that can actually do something about this. No, a hundred percent. And I've had I countless, countless conversations with conservatives, and and they always start with agreeing me. And and they, I mean, it's a bulletproof. I mean, our argument that you cannot vote for a politician that endorsed lockdowns, that is like yep. a concrete, unimpeachable, bulletproof argument. Like, there's just no way to combat that argument. You can't. It's not debatable. The debate's over. Right. The argument is over. And I, I've, I've talked to, I've had so many of these conversations where I'm like, you know, you cannot support anybody, any politician, any governor, senator, you know, candidate for president that endorsed these lockdowns. And they're like, you're right, on board 100%. I'm like, including Trump. They're like, ah. You had to throw that in. I'm like, I have to. Sorry, man. I, look, I, I know it hurts. I know it hurts. 
I know it hurts, but I have to say it, and you know I'm right, and you know. And I I've persuaded lot <laughs> lots of people. There's some holdouts, but I'm like that argument. I I, I just I, I can't I can't envision an, an any logical argument against against it. So I think that that's kind of our, our most powerful tool right now. It's just to get people to pledge. Hey, you you have to make sure that this doesn't happen to the country again. Like that has to be priority number one. I mean, it's literally caused the deaths of thousands of people. I mean, like the 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 leading cause of death of, of males under 40 is fentanyl. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the in the entire country. It's like it's crazy what these lockdowns have done to people. Entire generations of children that can't speak. You know what I mean? Like speech therapists are like having to teach four-year-olds, five-year-olds how to say basic words. And it's like, you know, there's, there's no, you know. And I was having a conversation with like a conservative group chat. I mean, I'm like, dude, you know, like you have to have lockdowns as a litmus test. You know what I mean? Like you can't. And they're like, well, the only I, I was like, so what Republicans would have fired Fauci on March 1st? And they're like, well, I don't know, probably only Rand Paul. I'm like, OK, well, maybe only Rand Paul is the only man qualified to be president then. And they're all like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're like, well, well DeSantis probably would have. And, you know, I agree he probably would have as well. You know, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's easier to say in, in hindsight, but it's like, yeah, man, I think that's an effective argument to Republicans. I've, I've personally noticed that it's been effective any time I've made that argument. Well, and I think that in terms of viability of candidates, you can't you will not be able to differentiate yourself in a meaningful enough way from whoever you're running against on the DNC side if you can't say I oppose the lockdowns from day one. I mean, De- DeSantis, I, I think, is the only one that gets a, a pass because he has acknowledged it's the biggest mistake he's ever made. Oh, yeah. And, and he lifted it after 30 days. Like, those those are enough for me to go, okay, you know, like, I, right. I can give you a pass because you also presided over the you know, most elderly populous state in the oh, union. Yeah. And, like, that that would be enough for some people especially early on to go well let's let's see what's going on first but right. as soon as he realized what was going on he's been the best the most outspoken and i'm really appreciative of it i moved to florida because of it i was a san diego native and now i'm a miami native so um that all that being said i don't really want him to be president of the united states i want him to be president of florida and i want it to secede so that's <laughs> that's my preference um and i don't know if that'll happen but yeah I, this is this is this has got to be the number one yeah. stance. We oppose lockdowns. It is so politically popular amongst anybody oh, yeah. who's a, a dissident uh, political person when it comes to uh, the Democrats, too. There are a lot of Democrats that hate what happened to their lives over the past two years. Oh, yeah. So you could get the moderates, you can get the conservatives, and you can get many of the Democrats. So I hope I hope that they're smart enough to put up a candidate that is that is actually principled and good on this issue. Because if not, that's pretty much the only way the Democrats have a chance of maintaining power. Right. And like the only the only way you can't view lockdowns and mandates as like the most important issue going forward. Like the only reason why like some people it's not constantly in the forefront of their mind is because human beings are so adaptable. And like we just Yes. Like I, I catch myself doing this. I'm sure you do too, and it makes me sick when I'm like, when like you you your brain tells you that whatever's going on is normal, and it's like you look back at the last two years, and like your brain wants wants you to believe that this was all normal. You know what I mean? And that that's right. how I mean that's how human beings survive plagues and you know wars and famines and you know like the you know and all of this the changes in the climate and all that. It's because we we just adapt to whatever's going on. That's just how our brains work and it's like you have to fight that 
You have to fight. Like you have you to have fight to. that urge to like normalize any of this. Like none of this is normal. Like this is like the greatest infringement on individual liberty. I mean, since you were allowed to literally own other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is like I can't think of like. This no, is, in this... in America for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's in the, the it's the, the biggest infringement in in our lifetime, and probably since uh, the Japanese intern internment camps yeah. during World War II under FDR. I mean, that you could say the that's... draft, I suppose. You know. Sure, sure, but... yeah. Putting people, <laughs> sentencing people to death in Vietnam, <laughs> like things like that, are pretty egregious. But this was everybody. It everybody. wasn't a minority. It was everybody was locked right. down across the country for the most part. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the biggest issue in our lifetime. And this is why I've been so passionate in my show is that I want people to realize none of this is acceptable, normal, and we shouldn't allow it to ever be accepted or to be normalized because right. I, even myself, like sometimes I, I, I see someone without a mask on because I was in California for the longest time. And I, and I go in, in public in a, you know, in a gym or in a restaurant or something. And I'm like, I'm like, this is weird. You know, it's weird to see someone without a mask. And yeah. and that and that I hate that. I hate yeah. that I have oh. that feeling in, in me sometimes where I go, Oh, well this this normal thing is weird to me. Like that? No, oh, no, none of that. I just want that that entire concept just like ripped from my brain and my soul. It's so it's so evil. And this is this is the problem with the ratchet effect of tyranny is that you you can become accustomed to terrible things. It's the exact same bullshit that we have with uh, NSA and the TSA, you know, taking off our shoes for 20 years now. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like that would have been absurd in 1999. But now if I get to go through security checkpoint, which didn't even exist in 1999 yeah. and I don't have to take my shoes off, I'm like, hooray, this is such a win for liberty. It's like, no, it's not a win for liberty. They're still patting down my child when we go through because <laughs> yeah. they think they have C4 in their ass crack. It's insane. <laughs> we shouldn't allow any of this stuff. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm covered in tattoos. I have long hair, a beard. I mean, if anytime I'm not, like, just harassed at the airport, I'm like, oh, man, that was great. That was a great airport experience because nobody touched my dick. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. No. Hey. <laughs> no. Right. There's nothing, none of, nothing about this is normal. But we're almost out of time. I know I got to let you go, man. I already kept you over time. But I, I have to mention this before we sign off because I didn't even, like, I saw people, like, you know, mutual friends were retweeting this last night. And I, I thought it was satire. I thought this was, like, the Babylon Bee or something. The Joe Biden crack pipe thing, but apparently it's real. <laughs> apparently it's real that the White House is just—I just can't even—I don't know, man. I, I can't handle this stuff. I can't handle it. The the White House, <laughs> in the name of quote unquote racial equity, is apparently spending taxpayer dollars to hand out free crack pipes to crackheads. <laughs> and apparently this I is mean... real. Like this is an actual like Biden policy, universal crack pipes. Well, th I see, just, this is the thing. It, I, it's I, not. It's, dude, I've been doing this like professionally for five years. I cannot tell satire <laughs> from reality half the time. Still, like this is just. I I don't even know, man. Well, honestly, people shouldn't be that surprised. I mean, if you consider the fact that in San Francisco they've been, you know, instead of dealing with human defecation all over the place, they they have apps with maps telling you where not <laughs> to go because there's shit on the ground. Like, I mean, this is. And then they also have been handling handing out needles for forever, and it's not that you know much. That's not so dis 
displaced or disremoved from uh, from handing out crack pipes to these people too. So I I'm not surprised. I totally understand why it sounds like parody because they, I mean, the fact that they would bring it up in the same breath of As racial race. I know, I know racial equity. It's like <laughs> man, I mean, it's it's just it it goes back to the horseshoe theory of like the left and the or the far right and the far left. Yeah, yeah. Um, Basically, both concluding that only black people smoke crack. It's like, <laughs> it's just crazy to me. Yeah, no, I know, man. It's so weird. Like, yeah, before they brought race into it, it was just like another insane policy. You know, You're like, mm-hmm. all right, you should just end the war on drugs. But like, I guess I, if you if you really don't think about it, I guess it would make sense to like hand out clean needles or crack pipes to people. And then they're like, it's for race. We just got to give the black guys crack pipes for <laughs> racial. Ag- it's like, dude, like. How can you say that? Like, how, how can you get away with saying that, man? It's like the most racist thing I've ever heard a politician say. And they just like come out and it's like they're, they're not admitting they're bragging. About you could their, you could do like, one of the, you could do one of those quotes where you like you run David Duke quotes and then and <laughs> or, or you run a Biden quote, but then you put it as David Duke and, and no one would be able to tell the difference. I mean. It's just it's just incredible. But this is the timeline that we're in, man. I, I think this is the only thing that keeps me sane, to be honest, is that everything is so insane. I'm able to oh, laugh yeah. at it. I'm able to find humor in it. And and I think that's the only way I stay sane is that I, I can laugh, laugh at all this insanity. And, and it keeps me uh, at least at least lighthearted enough to deal with all the serious stuff that we're faced with, because there is a hell of a lot that we're faced with that is very serious and um, I mean, I really, I really think that the economic collapse that's going to come from these lockdowns and the in, immense amount of printing that's transpired over the past two years, I, I think that the economic fallout is going to be so significant. And we are already at a point of of social divide that if you if you add a dep- an economic depression on top of that, that's where things get very very dicey. So. Um, Good luck to everybody. I, you know, enjoy enjoy the crack pipe stories while they last, because uh, at some point it's going to get a lot darker. Yeah, could I see that's a perfect way to end the show. That's really just emblematic <laughs> of the tone of the show the last several months. So that that works. Clint, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. Let's do it again, man. I'd love to have you on again soon. And uh, I would love to everybody uh, follow you online and keep in touch and check out your show, which is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Thank you so much. Yeah, at Liberty Lockpod on Twitter. And Liberty Lockdown on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, all over all all over the place. Just search for Liberty Lockdown and make sure you subscribe. And uh, not next week because I'll be at Anarchapoco in Mexico, but the following I'll have Dave Smith back on, so people will not want to miss that one. It's always a good time when I have him on. Oh, definitely looking forward to that one. Everybody, follow Clint. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. <laughs> Thank you.